SF50 240 and conversion on today's Fedna Babble. This is Fedna Babble, where Kevin and Cassie make federal retirement benefits understandable for humans like you. These two don't hold back as they answer questions from FedPilot workshops and webinars or from questions submitted by you at FednaBabble.com. Welcome, everyone. It's good to have you back to learn more about federal retirement benefits. I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Cassie Knight, and we're just going to jump into the questions um, and answer them for you and helpful, hopefully you'll learn hopefully. something today. <laughs> that would hopefully. be nice. What is yes. an SF-50, Cassie? Oh, my goodness. Do you have this question often in your workshops? Let me ask you that. On what an SF-50 No, is. I, actually, I don't. And, and I think it's because people are afraid to ask what an SF-50 is. There, there like are there are, right, and and okay. and I think that actually happens a lot. You know, we talk about an SF fifty, and people just go, "Oh, of course, and an SF fifty. I know what that is," <laughs> and they really don't have a clue, <laughs> and they just go along with it. I think there's a lot of that that happens. But what is an SF fifty? Yeah, so an SF fifty is actually a really important document that everybody should keep copies of. You're going to have more than one. Okay, this is not one of those forms like, uh, I don't know, retirement application where you just submit one of them or two of them, depending on what that looks like. But essentially, um, you have many SF-50s throughout your career as a federal employee, and they are documents that show um any change in your salary, so any step increases or, um, you know, any other sorts of increases in your pay. If you switched from one position to another, then you have documentation on that. If you changed your FEG leave benefits, you have an SF-50 for it. There is an SF-50 for every move and everything that you do throughout your career. And that's why it's especially important to keep a hold of them. Um, I think you can go on your EOPF and download uh, your SF50s um, and save them electronically if you can, uh, you know, because this is a very important to have if there's any discrepancies in, you know, your position, your pay, um, you know, benefits, what have you. This is especially important to have for anybody, especially air traffic controllers um, who are, you know, subject to Vision 100 or just in general, I think they're actually required to have their last SF-50 when they submit the retirement application. But if you are a federal employee, you need to have this documentation. Um, it, it, because after you separate, if you there's any problems with the retirement application and you have to go back and get that information, it is 10 times harder <laughs> to get yeah. that documentation from OPM or wherever they have that. They, you know, I don't even think that most of these are electronic. Um, I'd have to look up the exact date, but I want to say it was like late 90s that everything went electronic, maybe early 2000s. And so everything previously is in a warehouse in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I even heard once, oh, I don't even remember where I heard it, but their SF-50s and other documentation was in a warehouse and it burned down. And so they didn't even have access oh. to that. 
<laughs> so <laughs> they tried to get it. Wow. And they said, yeah, it was in that fire. Yeah, sorry, that's too bad. So, yeah, so SF50s, um, that, you're right, that's another one that you want to keep track of, that everyone wants to make sure that they have a copy of every one of them. And I think one of the things that people don't know what to, how do I say this? They don't know what should be on it. And so if something is missing, they don't recognize that it is missing. I heard once of a, of a gentleman, for example, who got to the end of his 30 years of service and said, okay, I'm going to retire. And they came back and said, oh, I'm sorry. Um, you don't get anything. <laughs> he said, what? well, why is that? No and he way. said, yeah. And he said, well, you didn't pay into your pension at all. He said, what do you mean I didn't pay into my pension? I've been working for 30 years as a federal employee and I don't get a pen. He's, they said, well, you should have seen it on your SF50. You should have seen it on your pay stub. You should have seen it. And he said, I didn't know what to look for. I, I didn't realize that it should have been on there in the first place. And wow. and and I'm sure they had to admit that, well, it, they, it turned out that they had to admit that it was their fault, not his fault for not taking it out all these years. But he didn't know to look for it. And I don't know what happened in the end, whether he got his um, a pension or not. But still, um, you, you need to know what to look for. In fact, that might be a great video to do just, Cassie, someday, just on SF50s. And what's there, what you should look for, what kind of things are, uh, you know. So you don't. Yeah, miss I think that would be valuable information for folks. Um, you know, what is an SF50? What should be on there, and you know, what to look for if there's any issues. Um, you know, we can definitely have a little teaching about that. Yeah. Good. Okay. SF50s. Next one. Annual leave carryover of 240. I understand. That's an incomplete sentence, but we'll forgive that right there. <laughs> we're not we're not going to be sentenced Nazis right now. So typically, federal employees can carry over 240 hours from year to year. Sometimes it's more depending on your position and situation, whatever. Position, agency, there's different reasons why these limits fluctuate, but I've seen them right. at, you know, uh, 320 or what have you, like there's... There's different limits for different types of employees or different types of agencies, but essentially, um, the the baseline is 240 hours. Right. Okay. So uh, normal uh, or typical federal employees only have 240 hours that they can carry over of annual leave from year to year. Now you can still accrue annually with your 240 hour max, but then you have to use whatever's extra by the end of the year. Otherwise you lose it, use it or lose it um, type of thing. And so uh, essentially you can only carry over 240 hours into the next year. So yeah. And I I think what what this person, yeah, the, the second half of this says, what about the extra hours for 2020? So I think what this person is talking about is let's say there is an extra week in the pay period into twenty into the next year, twenty twenty one. Let's let's throw that in. And 
you know, what what happens to that extra time? Because they don't get paid the eight hours of annual leave until, is it eight hours of annual leave? Eight hours of annual leave per pay period. Is that right? Am I saying that right? Um, annual leave varies depending on how many years of service that you have. And so okay. newer employees earn less. <clears throat> okay, more that's right. employees earn more. Um, but they I don't... think it's a four, six, and eight hour accumulation. But essentially, um, or, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'd have to double check that. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that it's annual leave that varies. Either way, um, there can be, uh, you know, 100 to 200 hours that somebody earns in a given year. If you are close to retirement, um, I think it's 220 or something like that that you earn in, in a year um, because obviously you're earning that eight hours right. per pay period. Um, but you can retire with 440 hours or 440 hours of annual leave and get paid out for them for those hours. So if you plan on retiring at the end of the year, you can accumulate all of that and not use it because you're not going to lose it. Okay, well, but essentially anything above 240, they want you to use throughout the year because you're not going to carry it over into the next year. But if you plan on retiring, then they'll pay you out for those extra hours. And I think what this question here is asking is if they retire at the end of the year, December 31st, they've rolled over 240, they build up their two whatever, 208 mm-hmm. after that, right? So they go out with 448 hours. But what about the extra hours in 2021 that they didn't get from the pay period beforehand? So let's say they get eight hours every pay period. They're, they don't get awarded that eight hours every or until the end of 20 or end of the pay period, which happens to be in 2021. And so they're missing out on eight hours of annual leave in that in that yes. instance. Right. And so, and and that's just, that's the way it is. It's better than, I I hear people all the time, and this is just a misunderstanding of how it should be applied, but some people say, well, I want that eight hours of annual leave, and so I'm going to retire in the first week of 2021, not realizing that they have, that they not only, that they got the eight hours of annual leave, but they just dumped 240 or 200 plus hours that you know it's a trade-off 200 plus hours or eight which one do you want i also want to point out that how it affects the pension as well right so if they retire the first week of january then they're missing out on almost three weeks of their pension accrual and they're not getting paid right Right. Right. So it doesn't just affect the annual leave from the carryover standpoint, but also the pension accrual on the on the other end. And so first employees really have to make sure that they are retiring on the last day of the month. So that way their pension begins accruing the first of the following month. Otherwise, they lose out um, on on pay, whether it's pay from being an employee or pension accrual. There's there's a week or two weeks or three weeks or, you know, four weeks, depending on the the month and the days and how all that works. But essentially they can really 
Um, you know, I don't think that they take into consideration the other factors here when it's, you know, oh, I want to make sure that I'm leaving on the end of a pay period to get this time. Well, what happens to the rest of it? What happens yes. to the pension? Accrual? What happens to, you know, whatever other things you need to think about um, for your case, right? And so essentially, um, if you're looking at maximizing your annual leave, you need to retire the end of the year. Okay, December 31st, December 30th, what have you, um, to make sure that you are not going to roll over and essentially lose those hours that you've accumulated the year prior. Okay, I'm going to throw a big caveat in there, Cassie. Sure. So what you said was is spot on, right? If you want to maximize your annual leave, then you should retire December 31st and and do it that way. However, in some cases, that may push people, they get that check a couple weeks later, that may push people into the next tax bracket for the next year, which means, and now I, I did a simple calculation, and I took a $50,000 employee who worked 30 years, did some calculations, and found out that if they retired on December 31st, having rolled over 240 and 208 that year, build up to 448 hours, get paid two weeks later, yeah. They will actually be $10,000 less than if they had done it differently. So that that is a huge amount. So it it yes, maximizing your annual leave that is how you do it. However, that is not the only consideration we yeah. need to look at when retiring and 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 people get stuck on that. Oh, I want to maximize my annual leave and don't realize the domino effect it has on everything else. And federal employees yeah. have to be so careful of that. Yeah, these benefits really do have a ripple effect. Like if you do something to this one, then it affects all the rest of it, right? right. So you really have to be cautious about that because if they have a simple um, retirement too, like for OPM to be able to finalize, then they're getting the interim payments and then they're getting all that back pay. And what if the SRS is in place, right? What right. if they're um collecting social security like all of these different factors have to be considered when you're looking at retirement and how it's going to affect the tax bracket like that's a whole other conversation yeah yeah <laughs> and, and what affects this, you've got to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about who can help you out big who can help you figure out those considerations though right this, this is, is why complicated I love, yeah i love our advisors in our network because we we know what they yes. do they're looking at every single aspect of your employee benefits plus the financial side of it to really set you up. Um, so that way you're not, you know, doing something that you actually think is right. That might be wrong um, due to your situation or what have you. And so I, I love that our advisors really look at all of these different things and the ripple effect that they have on every single benefit and, you know, really a financial plan or tax planning considerations. They're, yes. they're taking a look at that and, and letting you know, hey, this is what's going to happen here if you do this. So if we do this, maybe you retire in, you know, September or August, you know, you get the annual leave payout and everything else and that helps for this year and then next year you can be better be better be in a, a, a next year you can set yourself up maybe in a better uh, tax situation or what have you if that's 
you know, one of your concerns. And so definitely important to talk with somebody who knows the federal benefits and how they work and, you know, what the, all of those considerations are so they can really help you out there. Who knew that choosing what day you should retire would be so complicated? But it is. <laughs> it, it, it can make the difference in t- sometimes tens of thousands of dollars of when I mean it, and so anyways it's complicated we'll just say that yes. we only have a few minutes left for this last one can you change regular TSP to Roth TSP well thank goodness this one's easy the answer is no <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nope. there you go okay you cannot put your traditional TSP into your it convert it into a Roth TSP that's not I mean there are strategies to take it out of TSP and into a private Roth, but that's a whole nother conversation. Essentially though, you cannot switch your traditional Roth and just move it over to the, or, or traditional TSP, sorry, um, into a Roth <clears throat> TSP account. It's, it's right. It's just work. no, right. <laughs> yeah, so in the, in the accumulation phase, the answers, what you're trying to do, the answer is no. In the distribution phase, you can't, you still can't do it in the TSP, but there are ways to do basically essentially that, just not in the TSP. So it can right. be done outside, but it can't be done inside no matter what in the accumulation or distribution phase either. So it doesn't matter. TSP has limitations. Yep. Yes, it does. All right. Well, if you would, uh, we would love for you to like, subscribe, follow, and all that good stuff. Uh, get notifications and share this with your friends and your coworkers and make sure they understand this because they're going to retire someday and they That's need right. to know this information. Yes, they do. And we didn't talk about the report very much in this episode, but we do um, offer a report about your benefits so you know exactly where you're starting from and um, if you go to fenababble.com then fill out the information then one of our advisors and our trusted network will get a hold of you within 48 hours um, to get the information needed uh, for that report and tell you exactly how much your annually payout's going to be and all of those different <laughs> things that we talked about to really help you with your um, planning in your retirement process. So reach out to us and um, let us help you uh, feel, you know, encouraged and, and, and do that retirement at a place from knowledge um, rather than just having to figure it out during the crisis planning part. So thank you guys. Thanks. Take care, everyone. To get Cassie's comprehensive report on your federal retirement benefits at no cost, no obligation, and no sales pitch, go to fednababble.com. While you're there, submit a question for them to answer on the show.